Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. We're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your smart device and open the version or the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded on there. If you're watching us online or you're at one of our other gatherings, love you guys and so glad that you guys are a part of our community and so glad you guys are a part of our community in this post 4th of July weekend. What a great, I mean, that, that last song is just, I felt like that was the new song, but then Pastor Barry told me that, that we had another song that was a new song, and that song just, that last song just, I don't know what it was about it, it just hit. It was like Pastor Sonny talked about how music has a spirit. I think that there's going to be some people who are going to look back on today, and every time you hear that song, you're going to remember some sort of a breakthrough, some sort of a connection that you had with God. I think that song is going to be a monumental song in somebody's life. And uh, what a great message by Pastor Dallas last week. That was what you call a banger. That was like, it was so good. It was like, it had all, I I told Pastor Sonny when I was listening to it, I, I think from my perspective and in my opinion, that was the best message I'd ever heard Pastor Dallas speak. It was intelligent. It was intuitive. It was entertaining. It was funny. It made me want to be more connected to the topic that we are about to embark into because I love the idea of this series. Pastor Dallas has been coming up with the last few series ideas that we've been in. And I love the idea of doing a a whole series, not only on the greatest sermon ever preached, but the most important sermon ever preached. Like I I, I love The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have been watching The Chosen. I know that it, it takes some flack online and there's all sorts of rumors and misinformation about it out there. But I'm just going to tell you that when I watch that show, it makes me want to love Jesus more. It makes me want to know him more. It makes me understand him more after all of the schooling, after all of the education, after all of the times that I've read scripture. I I didn't think that it was possible for Jesus to come more alive. I mean, I'm a pictorial reader as it is, so when I read something, it's like I'm watching a moving inside of my mind. And so when I watched The Chosen, it, I mean, it was just like, I said to a friend of mine, it made me like Jesus more. It was like, it's such a weird statement for a guy who's in the Jesus business to make, but like, it's made so many different stories come alive, and the Sermon on the Mount is one of those stories. I've been to the Mount of Beatitudes. I've walked and I've sat on the stones that that some historians would say were the stones that people sat on while Jesus spoke the message. And yet it didn't come alive even remotely like it did when I watched it on this show. I loved how they portrayed not only Jesus' delivery of the Sermon on the Mount. I loved how it portrayed his creating of it his crafting of it, that as he was working on this monumental message, the most monumental message that ever had been and incidentally ever would be spoken, as he worked on it, as he created it and crafted it, it was a struggle for him. 
He wrestled with it. He got input on it. He, he asked questions about it to friends and to his disciples. The, the picture of him standing at the lakeside and practicing it, rehearsing it. Like, like I, that connected with me because that's something that I do. Like when I, I write these messages and then I, I, I go over them, I, I rehearse them. I've, I've preached this message to myself a hundred times before I've ever come out here because of the weight, the burden, the responsibility that lays within communicating God's word to God's people. Jesus was not blind to that fact. And so in this show, the image of him kind of walking along the side of a lake and rehearsing it and going over it and, and the image of him like adding things in and taking things out and then running things by his friend Matthew and having Matthew say to him, well, have you, have you thought about saying it like this and having like literally Jesus being teachable and Jesus taking input from his friend to say, well, I know that you, you want to say it like this, but what if you said it like that? And as I watched Jesus like work through this message, what I realized is that for Jesus, it was a journey. Like I travel a lot to the point that sometimes I wake up and I don't know what city I'm in, but, but I've learned to love where I am, wherever I am. The pastor Sonny and I, we've been blessed to live in lots of different places over the last 27 years. We lived in North Dakota, South Dakota, Tennessee, Washington, Florida, Texas, Michigan, Oregon, California, and of course, the great state of Wisconsin. And I have loved something about all of them. The raspberry bushes in our yard in North Dakota, the Black Hills of South Dakota, the Needles Highway, Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee, the Baklava in downtown Detroit, the river with salmon swimming in it that ran through our backyard in Oregon. The beach at the end of our street in California. A hot butter burger from Kroll's. The colors of fall in Door County or the feeling you get inside the hallowed halls of Lambeau Field. I have loved something about everywhere that we've lived. But guys, I gotta tell you, outside of Green Bay, my favorite place we've ever lived is Seattle. It's stunning. You have everything you could ever want there. Great food, music, sports, people, great scenery, hiking trails, skiing, boating. You're right in the Pacific Ocean surrounded by mountains. The Cascades on one side and the Olympics on the other. But there's one mountain in particular that when the skies are clear, you can see it from everywhere in the city. It's called Mount Rainier. At 14,411 feet, it dominates the skyline. I want you to look at this picture. I mean, the Space Needle is massive. It's like, it's, a, it's, it's an iconic monument that people from all over the world, they, they connect it. They, they, they recognize that whether it was Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks meeting at the top of it or the picture of it on a Starbucks cup, it is, it is monumental. And yet, it is so small in comparison to the mighty Mount Rainier. And keep in mind, when you look at this picture, Mount Rainier is 110 miles away from Seattle. And Pastor Sonny, our kids, we've been there, we've gone there, we've hiked it, we've enjoyed it up close in person. But even when it was at a distance, no matter how stressed or how busy I was, when I took the time to sit and just look at that mountain, it had a calming effect. It brought things into perspective. I mean, there's just something about mountains, their size, their grandeur, their presence, their prominence that changes our perspective. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he understood that. Uh, uh, he talked about it in one of his most famous speeches. 
in the midst of crushing oppression, he said this, I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people, we will get to the promised land. And he knew that because he said, I have been to the mountaintop. I want to talk to you about that today in a message that we're calling that same thing. I have been to the mountaintop. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We are grateful to you. We are grateful for you. This is the day that you have made. And so we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for victories that have already been enjoyed today. God, there are people in this room that they've already experienced. They've already encountered breakthrough. They've already experienced. They've already encountered you. Your Holy Spirit has already welled up within people in this place. And God, some of these people could go home today and not even hear a message. And their lives will have been adequately and appropriately changed. But today, God, as we bring your word forth, I pray that it falls on fertile soil. That God, the ground upon which our hearts represent would be fertile soil. That God, your word would take root, that our hearts and our minds would be changed. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jesus was an incredibly busy guy. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we don't picture him like that, but he said so much going on. He was an incredibly busy guy, but he was also incredibly strategic. I mean, clearly, people always wanted something from him. They wanted his power, his peace, his provision. He was constantly pouring out, constantly giving himself away. And so because of that, he, he regularly had to get away. He regularly had to refresh, to recharge, to regroup. And a lot of times, he would do that at a mountain. And typically, he would go to the mountain by himself. He would go on his own. But in Matthew chapter 17, he took a couple friends with him so that they could have a mountaintop experience. And, th and that's what I want for you today. I want for you to have a mountaintop experience with Jesus. Like Pastor Sonny said, I don't want this to just be a Sunday thing for you. I don't want this to be a consumable commodity to you. I want this to be the thing that is interlaced within the blood of your veins. I want it to be the thing that pumps from your heart and spews from your mouth. I want it to be the thing that when troubles come and tribulations come, that you, you don't even have to lean on it because it's the thing that already represents and presents itself inside of you. But that can't be done, as Pastor Sonny said, one day of the week. I mean, we already know as a culture in this community how to take something that happens one day a week and build our entire lives around it. We have something that happens in this city uh, one day a week for 17 weeks of the year, minus the playoffs, which you're going to make this year in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Prophetic. We've taken something that we experience and encounter actually 16 weeks of the year because it's 17 weeks and a bye and built an entire community around this one thing. Everywhere that you go in the world, people are connected by that one thing. I don't know if you know this, but, but uh, Lambeau Field is an anomaly among stadiums in the National Football League. It's, it's open all the time. That's, that's not the case most cities that you go to. Most, most cities that you go to, they, they have a, a few hours a week during the uh, off-season that that their pro shop is open. You, you can order things online. But man, you come here, man. It, you could go to Lambeau Field in the middle of a normal day and there's hundreds of people there. And you're like, what is going on here? Nothing. People are just taking a tour. 
They're just buying t-shirts. And we've built this whole, this whole community around this one thing that connects us and, and makes the fiber of who we are the fiber of who other people are. I was in Toronto last week. I was riding the subway. And the subway, there's no Wi-Fi. There's no music. It's, it's dark. It's just it's, it's a subway. And I was in there by myself. My kids were across the, the train from me. And uh, I was kind of alone in my thoughts. And so we get to a stop and the door opened and a guy walked on with a Green Bay Packers t-shirt. Such joy. Came in, hello friend. I wanted to go, like I wanted to high five him. Hey, go Pack, go. I didn't know what I wanted to say, but I knew I wanted to say something because we were like connected. We were brothers. He was my new best friend. Come to find out, he didn't even speak English. He just had the shirt. I don't know where he got the shirt. I don't think he's from Green Bay. I don't know if he got it at TJ Maxx or like what it was. But there was something about when I saw that that like connected them. I want that to be Jesus for you. I, I want the word to be that for you. That when you, when you see people, when you sense people. Have you ever sensed another person's spirit? And when you get around them, you just know like that's a good person or that's a like that. You could tell Jesus people a lot of times. The, the Bible says a tree will be known by its fruit. Now, I want that to be the thing that connects us. And I, I want us to have like this, like this encounter with God, this, this experience with God that supersedes Sundays. I want you as my brothers and sisters to have a mountaintop experience with Jesus because I believe when you have a change in place, it can bring a change in perspective. Uh, I mean, I know your daily routine could be a grind. Uh, you wake up. You wake the kids up, you drop the kids off, you pick the kids up, you buy the groceries, make the dinner, wash the dishes, put the dishes away, put the kids to bed, watch a show, go to bed. Wake up, wake the kids up, drop the kids off, pick the kids up, buy the groceries, make the dinner, wash the dishes, put the dishes away, buy the... Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Sometimes life can be a grind. And when your daily routine becomes a grind, it can cause you to lose sight of what life is all about. But when you interrupt that routine, you can get renewal. That's why for me, uh, I, I notice a difference in me when I don't spend time. Like I'm a morning person. I wake up very early. And, uh, and I like to get all of, my, all of my stuff into myself before anybody else experiences me. I'm literally like a spiritual Snickers commercial. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Like I just, I'm just like, when I don't spend time in the morning with Jesus, it affects not only my day, but it, it can affect the day of everybody uh, who I encounter. And, and so this idea of making it a part of who we are on a daily basis, this idea of making it a part of our, of our daily routine, it brings us renewal. In Matthew chapter 17, we find Jesus three years into his ministry. He's long since delivered this message that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. He's, he's long since delivered the sermon on the mount. At 33 years old, his time has come. He's about to pick up the sins of humanity and deposit them on the cross. And in Matthew chapter 16, he tells his guys that. He, he kind of prophesies that. He's, he's letting them in on the inside scoop. He says things like, the hour is near. My time is at hand. 
Uh, in, in verse 28, he says something that must have seemed so out of left field. He says, truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And, and, and some people over the years, they've misinterpreted that to mean that those were the people that would be around for his return, that Jesus was saying to them that they would be around for the rapture of the church. But what he was saying was, some of you are going to get a vision of me in my resurrected state. I'm going to give some of you, watch this, not all of you. I'm going to give some of you a mountaintop experience. Watch this. Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And I believe that Jesus wants to do the same thing for me, and I believe he wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to, he wants to put us in an environment. He wants to put us in a different atmosphere so that we can feel things in a different way. Uh, the very first uh, football game that I played in college, we, we played the Air Force Academy. We played, uh, we played in, in Colorado. And, uh, and you go, we went there a couple days early to try to get yourself acclimated. This is why Olympic athletes train in Colorado. They train at altitude. Uh, we got there a couple of days early. We're trying to get our lungs acclimated. Man, it did not work. It, it was some, there was something about it, the, the, the thinness of the air. The atmosphere was different than the atmosphere where we had come from. It was, it, was, uh, it was difficult for us to breathe, but it wasn't difficult for them to breathe. They had become acclimated to a different atmosphere. They had become acclimated to a different altitude. And I want my spiritual lungs to be acclimated to an altitude that will take me to a performance that is so much higher than people who live their lives in the low, who live their lives in the, the drudges. And so I want that for you. I want you to live in an atmosphere at an altitude that makes the performance of your life so much more redeeming, that you're, the effort becomes so much less because your lungs, your spiritual lungs have become acclimated to walking in his atmosphere. And so today I want to give you three reasons why Jesus takes us up on the mountain. Here's the first. To help us see the bigger picture. This is such an obvious statement. But the higher you go, the more you can see. Uh, for my son Isaiah's birthday, he was interning in Toronto, so we took him to dinner at a restaurant called the 360 Restaurant at the top of the CN Tower. It's the tallest building in Canada. At 1,150 feet, it is incredible what you can see from up there. There is nothing that gets in the way of your view. There is nothing that can distract or distort what it is you're looking at. You're looking down on everything, and they say on a clear day, you can see all the way into into New York State, that you can see the rumble of Niagara Falls. It's amazing when you get that high, what you can see. And Jesus wants that for your life. He wants to expand your vision. He, he wants you to see your life as bigger, your relationships as bigger, your future as bigger, the business that you're leading or helping run bigger, the kids that you're raising in a bigger sort of way. He wants you to see your purpose as bigger. What is your purpose? Like, do you really think that God created you for mediocrity? If you're living in mediocrity, that is not God's will for your life. That is you settling for less than God has created you for. Do you really think that God created you for small things? Why would he even waste his time doing something like that? 
Nothing about God is small. Nothing about God is insignificant. A God who created the heavens and the earth with a blink of an eye. Do you really think he created you so that you could struggle through life? He created you for more. And so he took these friends of his with them. He took them higher so that they could see more. And and when they got there, look at what they saw. The Bible says, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So here's Jesus with what's, what's called his inner circle, his three best friends, Peter, James, and John. Which side note, Jesus did not treat everyone the same. Jesus was incredibly strategic. He spent more time with the people who'd have the most impact. And so if you feel like there is a void in the time that you're spending, raise the level of the impact that you have upon your life. God, God created you to do something significant. Tap into that. Spend time with him so that you can recognize and realize what that is. Like this isn't playing favorites. This is just really good leadership. And it's not the only time that Jesus let these three, these three guys into things that he didn't let other people into. In Matthew 9, he lets them see him raise a little girl from the dead and tells them not to tell anybody about it. Shortly after this mountaintop experience, he's in the garden praying, and he asks these three guys to go with him a little further. Anyway, here he is. He takes these three guys with him to the mountaintop so that they can see him be what's called transfigured. In theological terms, that's called a Christophany. And a Christophany is when Jesus shows someone his future glory in his resurrected state. And you see this many times in the Old Testament. And so when they get to the top of the mountain, he is transfigured. He is transformed. Jesus was changed right before their eyes. And when they see him in his transfigured presentation, he was not alone. He was joined by Moses and Elijah. Two guys, incidentally, who, like Pastor Dallas mentioned last week, also had mountaintop experiences. Moses, when he was on Mount Sinai and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel when he battles 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. But God wins anyway. And I don't think that these guys were random selections. I think that God chose these people because they had had the same experience that he was wanting his son to have. He was, he was sending someone who could support his son in the struggles that he would have through the process of the transfiguration. And he wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to surround us with people who have been where we're going and are, have done what we're going to do. Stop surrounding yourself with people who are lesser than. Like, stop surrounding yourself with people who are settlers. Surround yourself with people who are pioneers. Surround yourself with people who want something like you want to have who will push you and will press you, who will move you towards what it is that you feel God has called you to do. The problem is too many of us surround ourselves with people who want to pull us down rather than people who want to push us up. And so Jesus surrounded himself with these three guys, Peter, James, and John. And when they saw this encounter, they would have been blown away. It would have been like a dream come true for these guys. These were two childhood heroes of every Jewish boy. They would have known every story that there was about Moses and Elijah. It would have been like seeing Vince Lombardi and Reggie White. It was crazy. And everything was cool. Everything was, everything was amazing. Until Peter opens his mouth. <laughs> you ever... You ever uh, 
Ever look around and you have people like this in your life who everything's going great and they always say the wrong thing at the wrong time? Like there's some stuff you don't need to talk about at a cookout. And we're here talking about fun and laughing, goofing off, getting caught up, and you want to talk about Uncle Joe. Like you just, like, want, like we don't want to talk about like heavy stuff in not heavy moments. And Peter felt like he was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And they're in a moment. And while they're in this moment, uh, Peter opens his mouth and changes the whole atmosphere. This is what he says. He said, Lord, it's good that we're here. <laughs> it's easy to just read something quick, right? Just, just go fast, pass the line. But like I picture that, that Peter, it's like Peter in his arrogance. Peter just, just uh, when you read scripture, it just always felt like there were times when Peter was making it about him. And uh, even when you watch The Chosen, like uh, when, I, when I watch The Chosen, uh, A, I'd never picture Peter as handsome. But man, you watch The Chosen, he's like a leading man. He's like a heartthrob. I didn't, it's like, he's like he's up a Hallmark movie. I didn't even know that, that that's how they were going to get women to watch The Chosen. It just was like, this, ooh, I've had women tell me, bro, I never thought about Peter as hot. And, he's like, and, and her husband's like, yeah, bro. It's like, what is going on? And so like I picture Peter with this, you know, golden tan and muscles and stupidness. And, and it just says something dumb. He's, he's like a dumb jock, Peter. He's like the captain of the football team. He's like, he's like, this like moment is happening. It's going to change the world. And Peter goes, bro, it's a good thing we're here. <laughs> like those other three, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah needed Peter. So anyway, it's just, anyway, that's just how I read it. You might read it quick, whatever. It says, he says, Lord, it's good we're here. If you want, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's like he was saying, Jesus, this is so good I don't ever want to leave. Can we just camp out here? And by the way, can it just be us up here? Which mm, sounds like a lot of churches that I've been to. But anyway, so like, what, like what was wrong with what Peter said? Because it felt like he was honoring him. It felt like he was trying to serve him and celebrate him. What was wrong with what Peter said? It was off plan. To follow Jesus, you've got to be committed to what Jesus is committed to. Jesus came to start a movement that would change the world, but a movement that loses vision of the mission can quickly become a monument or a museum. I don't know if you've ever been to Paris, but Paris is one of the most beautiful historic cities in all of the world, and there's so many incredible things that you can see. Uh, but one of the things is there's a tour that you can take. It's called the Death Day Tour. And on the Death Day Tour, you go from church to church to church to see the graves of all the historical people who've been buried there. But what you really see on the tour is church after church after church that have become monuments, that have become museums. And I think it's interesting that you have millions of people paying to get into churches that are there to celebrate the dead, while we have people who get frustrated when we ask them to contribute to a church that celebrates the true and living God. I don't... I don't pause and come up for air very often. 
Anyway, but God didn't call us to create monuments. He called us to create a movement and a church that loses the vision of Jesus will become a museum, a monument in no time. So Jesus told Peter, bro, I haven't come to be worshiped at the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. I came to die on the top of a Mount called Calvary. We cannot stay here. There are people to reach. So he takes you to the mountaintop so that you can see something bigger. Here's the second reason Jesus takes us up on the mountain to learn to listen to his voice. Uh, so Jesus had them there so that he could show them his vision. But in the midst of that moment, Peter starts casting his own vision. And God corrects him. Watch this. While he was speaking, that's Peter. While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as Jesus people, guys, it's paramount we learn to listen to the voice of God. We don't need to come up with our own vision. God has already given us one, and he conveniently spoke it from the top of another mountain, the Mount of Olives. It's called the Great Commission or the Great Co-Mission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And any vision that isn't centered around that isn't your vision, and it's not your mission. But you're going to have well-intentioned people tell you the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it'll lead you down the wrong path. What do you need to do? Listen to Jesus. He said, my sheep will know my voice. He said, he who has an ear, let him hear. You know, the word listen in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, is actually what's called a present participle. That means that the word is active. It means that the word is continual. The word means listen and keep on listening. You can't just hear him once. You have to hear him every day. It's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. What is it that God's speaking to you? What is he saying to you today? God said, this is my son. Listen to him. Watch this. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. They got down into a position of worship. But Jesus came and he touched him and he said, rise, have no fear. Jesus said, rise. He said, get up. And what he was doing in that moment is he was challenging them. He was saying, guys, this isn't a time to worship. This is a time to work. Let's get off this mountain, build a team, start a movement, and go change the world. Listen to his voice. Here's the third reason Jesus takes us to the top of the mountain is to focus on what matters most. And this is the moment when they lifted their eyes and saw Jesus only. The cloud was gone, Moses was gone, Elijah was gone, and they saw Jesus only. Guys, I, I completely understand that life gets crazy. But if we could just fix our eyes on Jesus, he's the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Why do we exist? This is the most age-old question in humanity. Why am I here? Why was I created? What is my purpose? And I can guarantee you that for too many people on this planet, they do not know their purpose. They do not know why they exist. Let's not make this whole thing more complicated than it needs to be. Let's just make it about Jesus and people. Because if this thing isn't gonna be about Jesus and loving people the way that he did, I don't wanna have anything to do with it. I'm not interested in monuments or museums. I want to be part of a movement. 
I want to see the bigger picture, hear the voice of God, and focus on what matters most, loving God and loving people, because I have been to the mountaintop. Would you close your eyes all across this place? I have been to the mountaintop. There's lots of ways that people try to change their lives. Uh, They try to change their lives with new relationships. They try to change their lives with new jobs or careers or new cities, uh, new car, new clothes. Seeking, searching, striving. Really the only thing in life that'll change your life is Jesus. It's what we call in the church uh, salvation, having a relationship with him, giving your life to him, lots of different euphemisms that you can give. But at the end of the day, what it's really all about is you recognizing that your life isn't what it needs to be and that there's only one way it can be. Committing yourself, submitting yourself to Jesus and Jesus alone. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you're here and it's just like a hole, there's a void. You don't know how to possibly fill it. There's only one thing that can fill it. It's Jesus. And the only way to do that is by doing two things, the Bible says, uh, through confession and profession. Through uh, confessing that you have sin in your life and then professing that you believe that Jesus can change that. So I want to give you the opportunity to do both of those things today. And here's how. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for people Uh, who don't have a relationship with Jesus but want one to do two things. First is in just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, put your hand down, that's your act of confession. Secondly, I'm gonna ask for people to repeat a prayer after me. I'm gonna ask everybody in this place to repeat it. Uh, But if you repeat it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you'll be saved. So if you're here uh, today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact me right now. Thanks. 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 I'm going to ask everybody in here to say these words. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. I don't want it. Forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Secondly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I'm a, I'm a believer. Uh, but maybe you say, in your mind, you go, I, I'm not doing what matters most. I'm not loving God and I'm not loving people with the best of my ability. But you want to. If that's you and nobody looking, just pop your hand up real quick. Let me pray for you. Yeah. Jesus, for my friends who are in this place, I pray blessings over them. Peace that surpasses all understanding, God. Take us on an encounter. Give us an experience in your atmosphere, at your altitude. Let us see and do things differently. When it happens, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you want to dive even deeper into your faith, check out our other podcasts and small groups. You can find more information at lifechurchgreenbay.com. We can't wait to see you next week. 